faith is just love. It's just everyone, every single person is deserving and worthy of love. And this is a time when the government isn't even talking about the AIDS epidemic and people are dying and families are being torn apart because of homophobia. And Tammy, you know, turned her, she went against the conservative evangelical community and she brought Steve Peters onto her show. He was an openly gay minister with AIDS and she asked him about what it was like and then she looked into the camera and she educated millions of Christian followers on what it means to be Christian yeah. and that you love through anything and yeah. that's the way with Jesus. And it is a radical act of love that we should be talking about more than her mascara. <laughs> so I wanted to tell that story. Well, church lady, I guess we are kind of preoccupied with the scandal right now. I bet you are, Jimbo. Well, you know, it just gripes my bottom that every time the press gets a hold of a story about a minister who's having a little piece of chicken on the side, people just talk, 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 talk. What drove Tammy to take those Valium? Oh, it was Jimmy and his little girlfriend. Oh, did you hear? While she was home pill-popping, he was with his little love muffin. Well, how convenient. A tawdry little love tryst with a 20-year-old. Jimmy, all I can say right now is shame, 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 shame. everybody welcome back to a brand new episode of not a bomb podcast this is the show where we go back and talk about movies that bombed in the theater or maybe the critics just didn't like very well uh bradley have uh how are we doing joy we did it we reached the apex my friend we did we've huh? done it 127 episodes in we found the movie we and did it. uh and what movie would that be bradley it's the uh, hand jobs of Tammy. Oh, I'm sorry. The uh, eyes of Tammy Faye. Ooh, Bradley, you're using that language. You know, I don't like that language. I, I still see you haven't found Jesus, have you? <laughs> I have not found Jesus, no. Well, Jesus um, loves you, Bradley. I know he does. Uh, yeah, this is your pick, man. Oh, <laughs> it is. I had no idea, Troy. I didn't either. <laughs> this was a bit of a shocker. So can 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 we talk about like this? This really is the film that we designed November around, I think. This is the one that kicked it off. For some reason, I had, I, I remembered Jessica Chastain winning a, an Academy Award for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And as someone who has their ear to the ground on films that come out, it's like, I have never heard of this damn film. And Jessica Chastain's one of my favorite actors. What is going on with this movie? And so I looked into it and I'm like, not only did it not it win an Academy Award, it won two Academy Awards. Yeah. And it was a huge bomb. It was in the theaters for like 18 minutes. Um, and so a- another listener had reached out and said, hey, you guys should do prestige films. And it's like, well, I've already got my pick. And then we picked the rest of them. And then the rest, as they say, is history. Which was kind of hard. Again, when when we talk about movies that we try to put themes around, most of the time it's super easy. Now, this year, we when we did sequels for horror films, that was difficult. Uh, but I, I feel like this was even more difficult because when you go back 
and you look at these, um, let, let's just call them Oscar bait films, right? Mm-hmm. So November, and the reason why we're doing it in November, November is the month when this stuff starts kind of rolling out. And so the idea is you you start slowly releasing these films. They get a good word of mouth, some buzz. You start seeing them pop up on everybody's like best of the year list. And then lo and behold, everybody kind of flocks to the movie theaters to see them. And you, you don't get like mega hits. I mean, sometimes you do like Titanic or something of that nature. But, but most of these, when they garner a lot of, um, I, I don't know, notoriety, even among critics, they, they do squeak out a little bit of a profit, right? Yeah, you also get that Oscar bump as well. Yeah. Um, so you'll get that second run of the audience. Typically, we'll go out and check out like some of the best picture nominees. I don't know if that's as popular as it used to be. I know any ones that I hadn't seen that year, I always made it um, – a point to go and see them in the theaters. And, and some people I know did the same, but I don't know if people, the general audience is doing that anymore. Um, but you used to get that Oscar bump. I don't know if that exists. Yeah. I, I, I assume it still does because kind of, maybe it's probably not as big, right? Yeah, it's I, probably just a few. Yeah. I'm take, taking a step so. back and trying to find movies that we were going to talk about just seemed a lot harder than I thought. Uh, well, we also we also did the caveat that it had to be it'd be a two you had to win multiple Academy Awards. Yeah, that was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so just full disclosure, we're talking about a film that tackles uh, ministry, religion, people who uh, abuse <laughs> religion. They're hucksters. Okay, yes. they're hucksters. I, I just now there's an age difference between us, obviously. When news of this entire scandal broke, which is a little bit about this film, it, it the film itself is is really focused on Tammy Faye, but I, I, I think her and Jim Baker became household names in the late 80s when the whole scandal broke, right? W- were you aware of this or did you know anything about this? I mean, you had to have seen like the church lady episode with, with Jim and Tammy Baker. That was, like that. that was my first reference point was Saturday Night Live. Um, and then I do remember seeing a lot of her appearances uh-huh. um, without Jim. And then I think some TV station or something, I don't know, because I grew up in Kentucky. So this televangelist stuff was big where I was. Um, I think they ran maybe reruns or they did something. I remember seeing some of that stuff. It was like, people watch this like they chose to watch this um like 20 million people uh but no once i had any sort of was aware of tammy faye it was when she was kind of welcoming i don't know if she was ever fully welcomed back but it was after her hiatus for a bit and then her coming back out and then she kind of died shortly after that okay Are, are you one of the people that get i don't know sensitive when religion or politics come up in general discussion, do you have that general mantra of don't discuss politics and religion around anybody? <laughs> you know, it's, it's in closed corners. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It's definitely now. Cause it seems like people are either one extreme or the other. Okay. Um, you know, when we get family around and stuff, we're all pretty much the same when it comes like religious. I mean, we all went to the same type of church and, I remember when a lot of that stuff around the priest um, 
abuse, sexual abuse was coming out. My mom was very upset about it. And it was one of those things where like, maybe we shouldn't mention this stuff around my mom. Cause you know, it's hard to swallow cause mm-hmm. there's no defending it. Um, and, but yeah, I, I try to stay away from that stuff. Cause, uh, I don't know, man, I get com- uncomfortable with it, but now everyone's so upfront about who they voted for and why you're <laughs> an idiot for who you voted for. And, all these goddamn let's go Brandon shirts I have to see every day. So um, it, it is hard to have just a, a dialogue, even even with somebody who has a counterpoint or view and be able to sit down and just go, hey, I want to learn. Right. Be, because there's so much emotion and passion mm-hmm. in what people believe, what they're going to support. I mean, they they base their whole life around it. Uh, and, and, and that's the, that's the issue, right? Yeah. Your 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 people are essentially identifying as something I identify as uh, a Baptist or, you right. know, a Pentecost or whatever, or Republican. That's who I am. That's in my DNA. And it's, it's not right. Well, I, should we go over the quick history of Jim and Tammy Faye before we get into the film? I feel like that's a, it's a necessity to, to understand where this film is coming from. Yeah. Yes, please. Okay. So Jim and Tammy Faye Baker met in 1960 at North Central Bible College in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And most of the film we're going to talk about kind of goes through um, this section of of talking about when they met all the way up to the scandal and a little bit of what happened post-scandal. Not a lot, right? And, And we'll talk about that. So they met in 1960. They got married April 1st, 1961. Uh, started working for Pat Robertson in the 60s at the Christian Broadcasting Network. And again, I'm, I'm going high level here, okay? Tammy and Jim, they started doing a children's show called Jim and Tammy uh, with puppets, right? So they're preaching through puppets. Eventually, Jim co-founded a popular television program. I think it's still on today, The 700 Club. So think of it as The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, but it's for Christians, and that, that was kind of a big deal uh, around that time to take that format for a televangelist. So it, it was extremely popular. It was a big deal. And uh, Jim and Tammy said, hey, instead of working for Pat Robertson and the Christian Broadcasting Network, let's go out on our own, right? So in 1974, Jim and Tammy created the PTL Club. Do you know what PTL stands for, Brad? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's right. Uh, the whole thing, I, I think this is pretty Did interesting. Did they not have another network before that? I don't know. I, I From just the limited reading and what I know oh, okay. about it, they went from Pat Robertson's uh, broadcasting network. I mean, they were on the road preaching for a while before they landed this gig. Uh, and then from 700 Club going into the PTL, that, that actually all started in an abandoned furniture store in Charlotte which is crazy, right? So they, oh, okay. they they wanted to set up their own broadcasting network. Now in the 70s, this is what's crazy. It, it got to be so popular and you cannot underestimate how good Jim and Tammy were at at preaching. <laughs> at being right? fraudsters? Yeah. Well, it, it, let's, let's, let's give credit where credit is due in terms of being personable on television, sort of reaching a core audience and talking to people versus preaching at them, more or less, they were really good at it, right? So in the 70s, PTL was 
generating about $120 million annually from donations, right? And and keep in mind- That's, that's a 1970 money. That's 1970 money, 120 million tax-free, okay? Separation of church and state. Uh, in 1978, Jim and Tammy used $200 million of PTL funds to build Heritage USA. Uh, how would you describe this, Brad, Heritage USA? It's it's kind of like Disney, but for Christians, right? Yeah, it was supposed to be a safe place for Christians to have fun and go to a water park and do all that stuff. Yes, pretty, not pretty much. It was Christian retreat, hotel, nice complex, uh, very elaborate, right? Now, Tammy gained notoriety for some of the topics she discussed, ranging from penile implants to acceptance of the LGBT community. And that was huge. Like that flew in the face, really, of conservative Christians at the time. And at the height of the AIDS scare in the 80s, she was one of the only televangelists to show compassion for those who were afflicted with AIDS. Now, here's where it gets interesting, okay? So the Baker's control of PTL collapsed in 1987 after revelations that $287,000 had been paid from the organization to buy the the silence of one Jessica Hahn, who claims Jim Baker raped her. And I I think it even went so far as to say there was two other people that were potentially involved. Yep. Yep. So this just hit the news. And Jim admitted to that. He said it was consensual. Yes. That's his side of the story. Correct. And this, this is a big deal. So those Saturday night live skits with the church lady, I mean, everybody had a heyday with this because keep in mind that, you know, there are some scandals, but in terms of televangelist scandals, this is one of the doozies. This was huge. Okay. Here's where it gets really interesting. So the Jessica Hahn scandal led to the revelation that the federal government had actually been watching the Bakers since 1979, and they knew there was a problem, but they did nothing about it for almost a decade. That's crazy to me. But it kind of makes sense, too, if you think about that decade, right? So in 1979, Baker and PTL came under investigation by the Federal Communications Commission, so the FCC, for allegedly misusing funds raised on the air. The FCC report was finalized in 1982 and found that Baker had raised 350000 that he told viewers would go towards funding overseas missions, but that was actually used to pay for part of Heritage USA. So he would get uh, in front of the television camera and he would say, hey, we're going to raise all this money. We're going to send cameras to Korea. We're going to you know, bring Christianity all over the world. The report also found that the Bakers used PTL funds for personal expenses. FCC commissioners voted four to three to drop the investigation, after which they allowed Baker to sell the only TV station that he owned, therefore bypassing future FCC oversight. The FCC forwarded its report to the U.S. Department of Justice, which declined to press charges, citing insufficient evidence. Baker used the controversy to raise even more funds from his audience. What did he call it, Troy? It was a witch hunt, Brad. Mm. It was a witch hunt. um, And they were basically oppressing his religious views. It's crazy. So he used this whole investigation to get more money. So a confidential 1985 IRS report found that $1.3 million in ministry funds 
was used for the Baker's personal benefit from 1980 to 1983. The report recommended that PTL be stripped of its tax-exempt status, but again, no action was taken until after the Jessica Hahn scandal broke in 1987. Art Harris and Michael Isikoff wrote in the Washington Post that politics may have played a role in the three government agencies taking no action against the PTL, despite the evidence against them, as members of the Reagan administration were not eager to go after television ministers whose evangelical followers made up their base. Yeah, and Reagan was a big fan of Jim and Tammy. Yes, he went uh, in front of a lot of people with them, praising all of the work that they did. And what's crazy, after after a six-month federal grand jury probe, so again, this is after the scandal broke, Baker was indicted in 1988 on eight counts of mail fraud, 15 counts of wire fraud, and one count of conspiracy. In 1989, after a five-week trial, which began on August 28th in Charlotte, North Carolina, a jury found him guilty on all 24 accounts. Tammy, nothing, okay? Judge Robert Daniel Potter sentenced Baker to 45 years in federal prison and imposed a $500,000 fine. A sentence reduction hearing was held on November 16, 1992, and Baker's sentence was reduced to eight years. In 1993, he was transferred to minimum security federal prison in Jessup, Georgia. Baker was paroled in July 1994 after serving only about five years of his sentence. So the the movie we're going to talk about kind of talks about this era going up to the late 80s, probably early 90s. And it does concentrate, let's say, on, on Tammy's point of view because it's based on a documentary. Now, you can do some reading and find out about Jim's second ministry he started <laughs> after prison yep and the controversy surrounding him selling collodial silver supplements to yeah, cure for covid covid 19 yeah. yep uh and and one little tidbit of information so the movie has this sort of melancholy ending to it and gives you a hint that Tammy Faye wasn't in the greatest financial situation post all of the scandal etc that's not necessarily true uh, she did just fine after the collapse of the PTL and the scandal, sort of, I guess, sort of, we'll, we'll say that. Um, she married Roe Messner after divorcing Jim Baker. So Roe Messner is in the film. Uh, Roe was a developer of Heritage USA, but he also went to jail too for fraud. Um, but she didn't divorce him while he was in jail. And she sold a bunch of books and showed up in a ton of movies and TV shows like The Drew Carey Show and The Surreal Life. So... That's your history lesson today, folks, on Jim and Tammy Faye Baker at a high level, 50,000 foot level. It was the Trinity Network was what I was talking about. Oh, the uh, Trinity Network? Yeah, it did not last very long. So okay. They skip over that in the movie, too. Yeah. Did you happen to see that documentary of the same name of this one? I didn't see the documentary. I did. I, I will say this opened a little bit of a rabbit hole on YouTube because I went back and I was watching like the Nightline special that did um, the expose. I'm sort of the government turning the blind eye to the whole thing. Um, I went and looked at a lot of interviews that were coming out at this time period um, from other ministers, televangelists kind of weighing in on this. Plus, you know, the infamous um, was it the ABC uh, is it Dateline interview where, you know, they got in front of everybody and said, hey, you know, forgive us. And and here's what really happened. And, and they were talking about it in their own words. 
it it is an interesting interesting time period of culture and society politics and when you take a step back uh, I, I would still say as a country we haven't necessarily learned all our lessons because this stuff that has been playing out in the 80s uh, in the mix of church and state it still exists today in in sort of a weird um, relationship oh, you mean as like well when people will say great they want there are Christian nationalists yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's some similarities there, right? But yeah, okay. it's it's interesting, nonetheless. I mean, we could spend an entire year just on this one scandal and going through bits and pieces of it. Well, especially for all of the stuff that would happen from 1979 to 1987, because there are so many fascinating little mini stories. But tonight we're talking about uh, Tammy Faye Baker specifically because of a documentary that was made and. Um, then a famous person came along and said, I want to buy the rights to that and turn it into a movie. Her passion project. Her passion Jessica project. Chastain. Yes, Jessica Chastain. So Brad, you do a fantastic job of taking us back in time to kind of talk about when movies are released and how they did. So this was one of the films in 2021 that gets released in a post-COVID theater-going theater environment, right? How did it do? Uh, well, it's interesting. Release September 17th, 2021. Remember way back in 2021 where we were like 2022, that's awfully optimistic. Uh, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, budget on this one is unknown. Um, could not find anything about it. Um, I would assume that on its return of $2.67 million that it's still way under, uh, performed because, Andrew Garfield and Jessica it Chastain aren't cheap. Yeah, so well, and just the, the production of itself. This is not a cheap-looking film. No, it does not look cheap. Um, yeah. and, and so even if we're looking at like $10 million, which is probably light, you know, it's still a huge bomb. Um, opening weekend, uh, this is kind of sad. It opens up number 10, Ooh. and it uh, makes six hundred fifty-two k. Now, to be fair to this movie and a lot of other films, this was kind of when theaters opened back up mm-hmm. and there was thoughts that, Oh, you know, here we are. Um, and so things underperformed quite a bit in this time frame, anyway. Um, but we do have some big hits. Um, number one at the box office that weekend was Shang-Chi. Um, Marvel film. Yep. Yep. Free guy. Okay. Cry macho. Candyman, Malignant. Cop Shop, which I like Cop Shop quite a bit. Yes, that um, I saw that in the theater. It's a lot of fun. Um, Cop Shop made more than this movie. As it should. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jungle Cruise, Paw Patrol, the movie, Don't Breathe 2 in the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Critically, Troy, mm-hmm. the Eyes of Tammy Faye sits at a 68% with the critics in an 86%. So 68%. 86 with the um, audience that's with over only a hundred reviews. Oh, so, well, the audience likes this a little bit more. Yeah. Yep. Um, I only care about one review, Brad. You know who does not like this movie, Troy? I, I gotta, I gotta guess it might be our favorite Christian website. Yes. Speaking of tax exemptions, uh, movieguide.org is a Christian website that reviews films for their content. I want to get a um, job there, man. I really oh yeah. do. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
501c, baby. Okay. Mm-hmm. Troy, do you have a prediction? Negative on four, right out of the gate. Negative oh, four. It's close. It's a negative three. How is it um, not a negative four? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But let's go on a little journey because they broke down everything. Oh, boy. <clears throat> oh boy. Let's go for a little Christian car ride. Let's hope we don't hit little Jimmy. <laughs> okay. Um, we're we're going to hit all of the uh, grammar and just run oh, it yes. over. So, uh, All right. Uh, humanist, rather anti-Christian worldview with mixed Christian, biblical, and an- unbiblical elements and politically correct, homosexual, feminist, romantic, and patriotic elements. Mm. For instance, although Jim and Tammy have a heart to serve the Christian community and tell them about Jesus, they don't appear to have a healthy grasp on truth and grace. And much of the story's conflicts comes from that struggle. Oh, because it comes from them being greedy assholes. Is what it is. This is true. <laughs> um, some overt and positive Christian biblical elements like praying in Jesus's name and the value of worship, community, preaching the word of God and family. Mixed with unbiblical sentiments, like Jesus accepts homosexuals, <laughs> oh. tells you a lot about this website, mm-hmm. and wants everyone to be wealthy. Tammy Faye is portrayed as more politically correct Christian, where she's pro-homosexual. They've said homosexual a few times in this. Might tell you something. And very comfortable talking about sex and taboo subjects on air. Plus some feminist elements where Tammy isn't afraid to interrupt a table of men and join the conversation. Which right there should be a negative four. That's a big yeah. no-no. Yeah, right? you don't talk when that's unless right. spoken to women. Yep. Unless you're, unless you're you coming like, with a sandwich, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, in the instances like they portrayed her as callous towards her. Mm. Romantic elements are a light tone throughout the film as Jim and Tammy dream of an idolized idealized future and Tammy Faye makes positive comments about America in the United States. Foul language. One D obscenity, two OMG profanities and a child wets herself while speaking in tongues. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, Violence. Maybe counts running over a boy in the streets on accident. That's a part of the meet you sex. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go, Troy. Which surprised me. I gotta be I gotta be honest. Some some of this stuff surprised me. That we'll have to get to okay. Yeah. After this, I have to t- okay. Yeah. Strong sexual content such as dating couple makes out and grabs each other's private parts while laying down on a bed. But this uh instance makes them realize they need to get married. Woman straddles a man who kisses her neck, even though she's married. Implied self-abuse with moaning. I don't know what that means. Implied self-abuse? Is that masturbation? Self-abuse, I guess, could be. Yeah, okay. (laughs) You like a soul something, I guess. Uh, All right. (laughs) Man mentions he wants to put a photo of a butt on a punching bag. And woman talks about a penis pump on TV. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Troy? Yeah. Nudity. Upper male nudity while in a tub. Uh-huh. I'll call this one brief scene where a character drinks out of a flask in church. Smoking and or drug use and abuse. Female develops a... Now, now she's not Tammy Faye. She's just female. Female develops an addiction to prescription drugs. Okay. And 
miscellaneous immortality. Strong miscellaneous immortality includes children don't listen to the requests of their parents, husband makes fun of wife's appearance, misuse of ministry fund, cheating, and bribery. They, do they mention the two guys rolling around? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. You know, gay fighting. Gay fighting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Films you could have seen um, in September of 2021. We have the aforementioned Shang-Chi. Uh, we also have, there's some other good movies in here. Well, then. Malignant. Okay. And oh, there's another one I, I marked on here. There wasn't a lot that month. I mean, it was, it was still just coming out, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We already mentioned Cry Macho, Cop Shop. Yeah, that's about it then. Yeah, there, there, wasn't, yeah. there wasn't a whole lot at the theater. Sadly, we were not recovering from the theater and now i just see this movie that had anthony fauci on the cover of it and i'm like oh boy oh no that's actually a good one okay okay sorry no no that's fine uh let's talk about the people who made the film so we'll start with everybody behind the camera we'll start with director michael showalter so not a name that i would recognize i don't know about you but i am surprised at how many movies i've seen of his yes okay so I think some people may know him for his earlier work as a screenwriter because he wrote the screenplay for a little film called Wet Hot American Summer in 2001. Uh, he did a film called The Baxter in 2005. Now, probably out of his entire filmography, the movie that stuck with me, and I, I actually think it's the best one out of his filmography, is Hello, My Name is Doris from 2015, which he also wrote the screenplay with Sally Field. Have you with seen Sally that one? Field? Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's known for the Big Sick, the Lovebirds. Isaac I would Jamie say Day. I would say the Big Six is Big Sick is my favorite. Uh, oh, that's your favorite films. of his? Yeah. See, I, I like it's good. I like it. I like uh, Hello, my name is Doris a little bit more. He's done a lot of TV too for you know TV series like Love, Grace and Frankie. The screenplay is done by Abe Sylvia. So this is kind of an interesting. I mean. Abe's done a lot of TV series. I think he got his start also directing and writing for a film called Dirty Girl in 2010. But he's written for TV shows like Nurse Jackie, The Fair, Happen Leonard, Dead to Me, Filthy Rich. Um, he did The Eyes of Tammy Faye in 2021. And you can also see some of his work in a new series from this year that I think is getting positive reviews, the George and Tammy TV series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cinematography. Uh, oh, and one of George th- and Tammy or Jim and Tammy? George and Tammy, the country okay. singers. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and one quick thing. So the film is based on the documentary "The Eyes of Tammy Faye" from 2000. So that's a that's another credit for a screenplay, I guess. Cinematography by Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to butcher this last name. Geolakis. I don't know. Geolakis. We'll, we'll we'll say yeah. We'll yep. go with that. Lots of shorts from 2005 to 2016. Uh, he seems to have, I don't know, hitched his trailer up to M night Shyamalan. M night. Yep. Yep. He's worked on split glass. Uh, he also lensed under the silver lake in 2018, which I hear is really good. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. That'll be on our show At some in point. about two years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, also did us an old, um, I guess in 2021 he had old come out by M night, uh, as well as this one. We've got it, it follows. I think he was uh, did he nominated for some awards for it follows. Okay. Uh, we've got two editors. First one, Mary Joe Markey has an interesting, interesting filmography here. Just 
couple of selections, stuff like Mission Impossible 3, Star Trek, Super 8, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Star Wars Episode 7, Force Awakens, a movie that we will definitely talk about, The Great Wall. The Great Wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, and I feel like we got to talk about Charlie's Angels in 2019 and get Jose on here because he reps pretty hard for that. And then we've got Andrew Weisbloom, Coney Island Baby, Undermine, Darjeeling Limited, Wrestler, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Black Swan, Moonrise Kingdom. Man, 2021 alone, he did The French Dispatch, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Tick, Tick, Boom, and this year he just worked on The Whale. I would say behind the camera, specifically if you're looking at some of the principal players from director down to editing. Yeah, it's not bad. You've got a you've got a strong um, group of people here, some really talented people. I think. Uh, let's talk about the people in front of the camera. Jessica Chastain. I think you've already said it. she's one of your favorites, right? Absolutely, yes. I agree a thousand percent, and I also find it very strange. Her choice of films are all over the place. I mean, she you can't. I, this is what I like about her. I never know what she's going to pick. She has these movies. Uh, I, I love her in Zero Dark Thirty. She was nominated for Best Actress, but she won the Golden Globe for that one. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in The Help. Uh, I love Molly's Game from 2017. I love think she's Molly's fantastic game, yep. on that. But I love the fact that she will do something like Molly's Game and then do It Chapter 2. She'll do Eyes of Tammy Faye and then follow that up with uh, the three five five, which is an action film. I mean, she plays in all genres and I, I feel like she just is selecting things that, that she finds interest in, but she's a name that as soon as something's out there, I'm going to see it. I, I don't know about you. I really like a most violent year as well. She was oh, in that. Yeah, she's so good. She was in dark Phoenix, which we will probably do at some point in time. She was that alien in that movie, which oh, was yeah, that's right. such a weird weird movie she did some uh great sci-fi she's an interstellar and the martian mm -hmm. both she's great in both of those yeah she's a powerhouse uh and i i find it interesting that when maybe you, she just has a thing for matt damon i don't know like, I, yeah. matt damon's going to space i'm going to yeah i got a thing for matt damon i'm good yeah but if you think about it er the tv series 2004 that's where her filmography starts so she hasn't been around a long time but I feel like she's kind of a powerhouse uh, as an actress. She, I think if you want to put her and say like Jennifer Lawrence and a few other people in like actors, female actors that you kind of perk up when you hear they're in a movie, mm -hmm. she's on that short list. Oh, I, I agree a thousand percent. Yep. Let's talk about Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker. Jesus loves you, Brad. Do you love Andrew Garfield? I do. When I saw him in the social network, I was like, that guy's going to be in our life for a long time. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, I loved him as Spider-Man. I, I got to say he's, he's Sony's done a good job at selecting their Peter Parkers. And I like the Andrew Garfield take on him. And spoiler alert, when he comes back in, in no way home, he, I think people kind of realize that, it wasn't him that was the problem of those films. It was those films, but he was actually really good in that. Yeah. Like he steals that movie oh, and 
if if you don't come out of that thinking, oh yeah, he's the best Spider-Man, I think you're I think you're wrong. No, I agree. And he's another one that I think gets his the his start about the same time as Jessica, 2004, 2005. And he's already had two nominations for best actor. So Hacksaw Ridge in 2016. And he did not get nominated for this film, but he did get nominated for a film last year called Tick, Tick, Boom. So uh, he won the Golden Globe for best actor on that, but he did not win the best actor for it. He'll win an Academy Award at, at, at some point. I, I think it's only a matter of time. I, I think so, too. Uh, and he's another one. I love the fact that kind of like um, Jessica Chastain, I mean, he's. He seems to be picking stuff that he's interested in and he's all over the place, which again, I, I kind of like that. They do some genre stuff. They do some Oscar bait stuff. I mean, he's, he's got a really interesting filmography. We have Cherry Jones as Rachel Grover, Tammy's mother. She's a interesting character actress. She's been a lot of stuff from Aaron Brockovich, perfect storm, motherless Brooklyn. Uh, here's a name. I think everybody knows Vincent. Don- <laughs> Dion D'Onofrio. I can't talk tonight. Yes. Jerry Falwell. D'Onofrio. <laughs> D'Onofrio. Uh, what, what's the role that you just equate him to? I'm Lawrence from saving private, Ryan, private pile. Oh, full metal jacket. Full metal jacket. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Full metal jacket. Yeah. Okay. I was like, sorry. I said saving private, Ryan. full metal jacket. Yes. Of okay. Course. I was going to say that. And uh, Wilson Fisk now for daredevil. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you could not pick a better person to play that character. But I'm a big Daredevil fan, too. So um, Mark Weistrack as Gary S. Paxton. So in the movie, he's the music producer. Uh, he's in Cayman Rider Dragonite TV series for a couple of years. Road to Red um, and uh, Eyes of Tammy Faye. And then Sam Yeager as Roe Messner. Now, the movie doesn't deal with this. But when you see Roe Messner coming in, talking about uh, doing the development for Heritage USA, that's the dude that after Jim goes to prison and Tammy divorces him and then ends up marrying Roe, but then Roe goes to prison for all of his <laughs> fraud work that he did with Heritage USA. He's in a lot of television, most recently The Handmaid's Tale from 2018 to 2022. Uh, I think that's it. I'm, I'm, I feel like those are the major players that you're going to see a lot in this film, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Production and development. So... I think we already talked about this. Jessica Chastain. This was like her, I don't know, just passion project. Yeah. This was her passion project. It was announced in May, 2019 that Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield were cast to star in the film with Michael Showalter directing. The film was produced through Jessica Chastain's production company, freckle films. Oh yeah. Jessica detailed in an August, 2019 interview that she had acquired the rights to Tammy Faye Baker's life in 2012. Chastain stated in interviews that the makeup for the film took between four to seven hours in the makeup chair. And she also had some prosthetics added to her face. Uh, Chastain also wore some false teeth in certain scenes to match the way Tammy face smiled. Uh, and I think an article just came out too, that that makeup had done some damage to her skin. Permanent damage to her like skin and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, and, and here's the other just fascinating part. Chastain performs several of the songs from Baker's musical catalog in the film. So when Tammy Faye is singing, that's Jessica Chastain singing. So, and she's really good. I got to say, I mean, when she sings, she, she's got a career there. Uh, what else? We talked about a little story. Yeah, go ahead. Of, of, of our week. Yes. Um, So on Wednesday, 
I was not feeling great. I was like, okay, this afternoon, I'm just going to kind of do some admin work and throw something on the TV. And I was like, I- I'll go ahead. And I-, I know nothing about this eyes of Tammy Faye film. I'll just go ahead and throw it on. Mm-hmm. And I-, I throw it on and I start watching and I immediately is like, Oh, Oh, this is where this movie is going. That's where I the, have to tell the text started to, coming, right? I have to tell Troy immediately. Like, I know we usually don't do this, but this movie is going places and I can't contain myself. I, I felt <laughs> like I was giddy, at, man. And, and got Sammy to watch it. And I, 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 this is a uh, episode one twenty seven. I don't know if I've been as excited to talk about a movie as I, uh, and for this one, but yeah, I, I watched it on Wednesday, um, just on in the background, but I, I caught some things and I was like, I see what you're doing movie. I see what you are doing and I like it. Uh, I'm so ready to talk about this. I feel like most of this episode is just going to be talking about the film. So let's take a quick, break. I have the Zapruder level, like, Oh, okay. Re- like breakdown of scenes in this movie that I need to know. Did about. you do a PowerPoint presentation? I almost did. We're going to have to post it. Uh, Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to share our thoughts on the film. Full disclosure, folks, this, this is going places. Brad's giddy. I've got some questions. It's going to be an interesting conversation. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. In the mood for hot coffee? When you are, nothing else will satisfy. Coffee has a flavor and aroma, a deep down satisfying goodness all its own. And our coffee has something extra, the care with which we brew and serve it. You'll enjoy the show more while you're enjoying steaming hot coffee. Come and get yours now. From the creators of One Million B.C. When dinosaurs ruled the earth. It is the beginning, the darkest age of all. The wings of a monstrous bird darken the sky. A great beast lumbers forth in search of prey. A beautiful virgin is marked for death. It is the beginning, a time of terror, pagan worship, human sacrifice. From across the shadowy abyss of time, Warner Brothers brings you When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth. Rated G General Audiences. Bradley, let's uh, let's talk about Satan. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. First note I have. Yeah. When I was watching this movie is I can't imagine what your first note is. I wish I could have watched this film with all those Christians in the theater. Uh, I would have just have been like with a bunch of like okay. a church. Just think, just imagine a church group going in to watch the eyes of Tammy Faye and what they're in store for. And if I could just be there sitting behind them laughing that's at a, them. That's a good starting place. Do you think this was tailored 
for a Christian audience. I mean, that that's an interesting concept, like to walk into a movie theater and watch this with a bunch of Christians. Do you think there was an audience of a bunch of Christians out there watching this? It would have. I, I, I think so. I think Jim and Jim and Tammy just have that. We are Christian sort of come see our movie. But it's Maybe Hollywood just, making. It's Hollywood I, making a film about these two. I understand that, but they don't. They don't get uh, their heroes. Don't get up on screen very much. And if it is, it's usually they're nailed to a cross or something like that. So, okay. I okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. The opening of this film. I put. Wow, she really does look like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like wow, and that's where this movie starts. It's like. We open up on Tammy Faye's face and they're like, hey, we're going to take off this makeup. She's like, no, you're not. That's tattooed on there. Like, oh, you chose to look like this. Yeah. And that's where it starts. Yeah. That's where it starts. Yeah. You get that uh, I, I thematic. We're removing the makeup from Tammy Faye to see what's underneath. Right. So, yeah. yeah oh, yes. Yeah. Very, very, very heavy handed cinematic. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and then I have uh, Troy. Mm hmm. Wow, when Troy pisses himself, it's because he drinks too much. <laughs> True. Yep. But no, uh, we have a little girl who basically is looking in on this church. And I put, wow, she's looking in and saying, I'd like to get in on this grift. <laughs> <laughs> not not bad. Your cynicism is crazy. Yeah. Okay. So what did you, I mean, this is all like within the first little bit. And then we have a meet, a meet cute. At a, at a, at a fake college. It's a real college, but it's a Christian college. So, you know, whatever, um, where, where Jim talks about hitting a boy with a car and that wins the heart of Tammy Faye. Yeah. But he prayed to God so that the boy wouldn't he die. He would be a DJ yes. anymore. So he was going to be a DJ. He hit a kid with his car and then he turned to, uh, do you, do you think that's a true story? I think it is. I think that is actually a true story. Okay. Um, I think the documentary talks about that actually happening. Okay. And the kid lived and all this stuff. And Jim took that as, you know, basically saving two souls that day or whatever. Okay. <sighs> Troy, <clears throat> yeah. this is, this is where my notes take a little bit of a turn, but I have over the pants, heavy petting. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, and this is where I was like, I want to see the moms covering the little Christian boys and girls eyes in the movie theater. Cause she takes a, just a handful of dick and balls and is just rubbing it down. And he's all over them titties. <laughs> yeah. It's a very aggressive petting session at the Bible school. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. And then like there was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of guilt mixed in with that session as well. There's a lot of something mixed in there. Um, and then like immediately jump cut to we're married. Let's go meet my mom. And my mom absolutely hates you. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And the mom is like the marble man wears a wig and is like, wears glasses. Like the mom looks like she smoked maybe like 47 packs of cigarettes a day. She is the typical Midwestern grandmother. I mean, if you, if you had met my grandmother uh, who lived in Waukini, Kansas on the farm. And I mean, this woman could just grab two chickens and, and do this little flick, break their necks. And next thing you know, you're cooking them. I, I mean, there's grit, right? Just that's what her mom's like. Yes. 
Is the mom the hero of this film? Oh, I don't know. The mom, the mom gives some good advice. Uh, you yep. know, let's just say the acting in this is, is fantastic. Top to bottom. Cherry Jones as Tammy's mother is fantastic. I think she's a little bit of a scene stiller when, when she's having these quiet moments with Tammy. Yeah. And, and so to, uh, the, the grandma or the mom essentially belittles Jim, um, and, and basically makes him feel bad and she hates him. Mm-hmm. So what do you do after that, Troy? You have a sad bath. <laughs> <laughs> Those two sequences, are they within like 10 or 15 minutes of each yeah, other? The, the, uh, the, uh, I was the really pants- worried about this film. Yeah. Just, yep. yeah, I didn't know where it was going to go in the first 30 minutes. You get some scenes, man. Yeah. And so then we get the, where I put hand job with exclamation point because yes, in this yeah. Christian film, quote unquote, Christian film, we have a over the pants hand job. And then we have an actual hand job to make some bubbles. And I just, oh, there's a few things in this world. I want more, but I just wish I just could see I, the I, Christian I gotta- kids. Why do you running keep, like there was just no why do you keep out of saying this is a Christian film? I'm really curious about that. <laughs> well, I, I, because you've said it like three or four times. I'm I'm really I'm really trying to wrap my head around why you think was well, the Passion of the Christ a Christian film? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay, and it is gruesome and violent in. Okay, but it's it is it is taking. I'm the, not comparing Jim and Tammy. Yes, to, you to, just to did. Jesus Christ, but I'm just saying <laughs> no, no, no. the content doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a Christian film. Oh, but Tammy. So Tammy, given everything that has come out, this is a film that is being released after the entire scandal, right? So, but this isn't the Jim Baker story. Jim is. They're both monsters. They both stole grandma and grandpa's oh, they did. social security check. Like they literally grifted it from them. I get that. But Christians don't care about that. They still do it to this day. Okay. The thing they care about the most is him getting caught and then him being gay. The, the worst thing about Jim Baker is he was gay. Uh, yeah, Allegedly. To to the <laughs> Christian people. Yeah. Not oh, to me. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. care that he's gay. Okay. But but so if this was the the eyes of Jim Baker or the sad eyes of Jim Baker, um, it would be a different thing. Tammy Faye is a much more sympathetic character. Yeah, but is it a is it a Christian character? Is it made for a Christian audience, or is or is it made for this uh, audience of? Well, look at somebody who well, supported. Obviously, wasn't made for anybody because no one saw it. <laughs> Nobody saw it. Well, I I wonder if there was a specific audience it was going for. I don't think it's I Christian. Think I, I, maybe I don't it's know not it direct. I, maybe yeah. it's not directly like advertised to Christian people, but you know, people are like, oh, Tammy Faye. There's a movie about Tammy Faye. Remember, she used to sing all those songs and do those puppets and give hand jobs. <laughs> Let's go see those movies <laughs> with the puppets. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the the walk from let's I talk to puppets to I'm going to use my puppet hand to. <laughs> Yeah. Make this other team talk. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so within the first 20 minutes, it is a bizarre film. Yes. It is bizarre. That is an understatement. 
Um, sadly, it doesn't. I mean, there are some weird things that happen after that, but the first 20 minutes of this movie, I think you kind of have to see. Um, and it's sadly, it's also not as campy as you'd want it to be because Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain are so good that it's not campy and they're crushing every scene that they're in. Um, well, they, it, the performance in this campy movie are, scenes in it, but when it's campy, it's intentional and yeah. it's not campy funny, but it, I think it highlights the creepiness of those real life characters. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even like, like the penis pump scene again. So we have over the hand, over the pants, hand stuff, Yep, an actual hand job. And then we go into swirling like the bathtub. Yep. Penis pump. And uh, <laughs> I love the scene. So she's doing the penis pub and she goes, Hey, every mom, everybody, there's my mom. Hey mom, stand <laughs> up, say hi. And the mom's like literally just looks at her. It's like, gives her the two thumb, the uh, middle fingers is like, yeah. no, fuck you. I'm going to sit here. Um, I love the mom. The mom is so great. Um, yeah. So, and then there's penis pumps as well, but, uh, <clears throat> I, <laughs> Troy, <laughs> this movie is insane it's insane it is um it is and i kind of thoroughly enjoyed it i'm not gonna lie i think it was just because it was so insane and it's like they have they go to pat robertson's house right and any anybody in their right mind would go to pat robertson's house and be like wow this guy is living kind of lavishly don't you think this is kind of uh kind of setting a bad example jim and tammy like Oh hell yeah! Let's get in on this and yeah. let's start going down this road. And and there's like the pep talk scene in the bathroom where it looks like they're gonna like have sex, but there's like this weird like motivational they, speech they? or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh oh, back up, back up. Uh huh. They also so I had misremembered this. I thought, so when they're in the hotel room, mm-hmm. right, he buys the car, they go to the hotel, and they're watching Pat Robertson on the TV. I'm like, is he getting hard watching Pat Robertson? And I was like, I think he might be, because she's, like, talking to him all sorts of, like, Well, she wants to do some stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, but he she knows do that. that, like, yeah. Pat Robertson's, like, probably getting him a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, going. So she's trying to go on that. And I'm like you know, there was a hand job after that too. So that, you know, technically that was off scene or off, you know, <laughs> off the screen, but that happened. That happened for sure. You were obsessed um, with her puppets and her ability to do things with her hand. I mean, she's very talented with her hands. I, okay. Um, there's also another scene where she's like lathering up her hands with all this lotion. And you're like, yep. Yeah. You know what that's for too. Um, and then the cupcake scene, remember the cupcake scene where it's just like, I, I, Yeah. The cupcake scene, I think, is just Jessica Chastain being like, no, I'm just going to treat this like this is covered in semen and just have a good time with it because it makes no sense. I think she's just having a good time. She's like, no, it's semen on here. Mm-hmm. Um, There's some yeah. overt and subtle uh, sexual innuendos all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. All over the place. And then so they also like they make try to make Pat Robertson like a good guy. I'm like that. You cannot make Pat Robertson a good guy. And they're like, wait, <laughs> I don't know think- if he's a good guy as much as he's. Yeah. I don't know. That's- and then you're like, well, 
the movie has a hard time figuring out who the good guys and who the bad guys are. So then here comes Jerry Falwell and you're like, okay, that's the bad guy. But also all these people are bad guys, but that's the bad guy now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. oh boy, Troy. Oh boy. Uh, I, uh, I have so many notes, but this is all about what happens in this scene. What happens in this scene? It is very it's, easy to go through this film and, and really spend time. Just go, do you remember this scene? That mm-hmm. was crazy. Hey, how about this one? Did you expect that one? Nope, didn't. That was crazy. So did you like this movie? Uh, I don't know. I think I did. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I've been looking forward to having this discussion because my favorite thing about talking films with you is it allows me to kind of unpack it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, Jessica and Andrew's performance are just amazing. I agree with you hundred percent. You should see this film simply because of those two. Mm-hmm. They are the highlight of this film and you're going to be pretty much like mesmerized by anything that they do. Uh, I think it's also proof that they're probably the best actors working today. Just this film alone. You can make that argument for sure. Yeah. I, I would say exhibit a this film for both those. Cause without them, this doesn't work at all. Yeah, and two lesser actors, this movie falls flat on its face. I it it solely rests on their shoulders, and boy, do they deliver! I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. the The best way I would describe this film, and I think I texted this because I've been really trying to go. Because my wife, uh, I was trying to get other people to watch it with me, and they're like, "Nope, not interested." I'm like, "Okay." So when I come up afterwards, and she's like, "Well, how was it?" And the only thing I can think of is. It, it felt like transgressive soap opera. It, it was just a transgressive soap opera. It yeah, when that. you talked about the screenwriter or having a lot of like TV, yes. like that makes a whole lot of sense. A lot of these scenes play out like television. It does a hundred percent. And, and you know, you've got a director that's worked in TV, a screenwriter that's worked in TV. It has a very cinematic feel from it um, and an editing style, but it, it really is this merge of it. And the subject and situations, I mean, you just outlined a bunch of them. They're really in your face. And the melodrama is turned up to like 11 in so many scenes, right? Our, our good friend Sammy said that this would easily turn into a cult classic, you know, kind of like Mommy Dearest or something. I, I agree with that yeah. 100%. Uh, I just, so the reason why I kept, I'm just really fascinated by your take on it being a Christian film is I don't know what I don't know what the movie's saying. I'm kind of perplexed uh, on what this movie is trying to do when it comes to Tammy Faye, and and here's why. So what I'm trying to figure out is 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 this movie just an excuse to mimic some wacky televangelists, or is it really a deep study of a complex, good-hearted woman? who follows people blindly into some bad places. Like I can't figure that out. Well, there's also like that. Woe is me. I'm all alone in this big mansion. Yeah. Um, she, she I have these. to like clean up, you know, like that stuff in there where it's clearly, they're like, look, this woman didn't know how well she had it. Then she calls her mom. Do you remember when she calls her mom? She's talking to you. She's like, Tammy, shut the fuck up. Really? Just go to bed. But and he- then she goes, I love you, mom. The mom goes, Bye. Yeah, hangs up the phone. I was like, "Oh my god!" But the That's mom eventually so buys into it too. Oh well, yeah, because you point. buy her a coat. You know, yeah. you buy your mom a nice mink coat. 
And and here's the thing, like, let's say that it is because I think Jessica Chastain saw the documentary and she was really fascinated by that character and says, okay, here's somebody who went against the conservative televangelists at that time period and was a woman, which is a one, two punch, right? Yeah. For the eighties and says, well, okay, that's kind of inspiring. I, I don't know. I know Tammy Faye, I, I wouldn't say she was. For 1980s, she was very progressive. Yes. But that was being compared to people like uh, Jim Baker. Jim Baker <laughs> or uh, Jerry Falwell, like who Jerry Falwell wanted all gay people to be burned alive. So, yes, she was not that extreme, but I don't know if she was like as like a I, I don't know. I, I think they're playing that up a little bit. I don't know if in real life. I she don't was, well no, but I do think But that, comparatively uh, for the time, yes, yeah, she was very progressive. I'll give her I'll give her that. But even today I would say that the LGBT community holds her on a pedestal for her take on the AIDS crisis, for her take. And, okay. and I, I know Jessica Chastain was sort of attracted to that whole element in her story or history that says Here's somebody who went on national TV and took a minister, a gay minister who has AIDS and is telling and is talking to her congregation and saying, hey, you've got to accept this person. Like, that's what Jesus would do. Right. So I. Yeah. And that guy and that guy is a real guy. Yeah. I mean, that really happened. Yeah, still alive. I, I will give her credit for for some of that stuff. Yes. Yeah. So here's the thing. So let's say that it's not just mimicry. And Chastain, uh, the director, everybody is trying to say, okay, let's take this woman who's very complicated. She followed blindly some very bad people. Uh, but, you know, there's a heart there. And uh, there, there's some there's some things that she should be recognized for. She is a woman, like, just had a seat at the guy's table. So there's that whole sequence there where it's like, yay, women power, right? There's this sequence where... She is going against the conservative televangelists at the time and saying, you got to love people with AIDS. So there's all these elements that the movie highlights with the attempt to put her in a positive light, Mm -hmm. but a complex positive light, right? So um, here's what I, here's what I struggle with. And, And I don't know about you, but I know the history of these people. I I watched this all play out (laughs) and I don't think regardless of all this cool stuff that she did, I don't think she's a very good person. Personally, I have zero sympathy for this woman. Like how do you sympathize uh, with a person who promotes love and acceptance for all people like she did and then steals from them and cons them on probably the grandest scale that we've seen as a, as an American society. And to say that she didn't know what was going on, I would say is BS. Oh, she knew there's no way you're, you're, I mean, they had boats and they had a huge mansion and there's, and every time she prayed to God, it was, you got to help me out. Right. You get in. Mm. Um, so I, she's not a victim. She's a, she's a participant. Right. So what I'm struggling with is, is my personal opinion of this real life person getting the way of seeing the complexity that's on display. Like, I don't know. I know from a craft perspective, the movie is trying to, to draw this complex character and say, it's not good. It's not bad. There's a lot of gray, 
but it, I don't know if my personal opinion of that person is really preventing me from truly appreciating what's on screen. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think these televangelists that stole, I mean, I think these people have a special place in hell. I mean, if oh, hell's a real I, place, I agree. Him and Tammy are there because they, they have conned more people than you can even imagine out of, you know, people probably had to go back to work. I mean, there's a reason why they went after older people because yeah. they're at the end of their life. They feel like, Oh, I need to do extra well here at the end of my life because I don't want to go to hell. So I'm going to give these people hundreds of thousands of dollars. They prey and- on these people who are really scared of what's going to happen in the afterlife. So give money They're You yeah. know, then you're going to go to heaven. And w- what kind of bothers me is Tammy Faye as and, and again, this is not the film. I think the film, I think, does a really good job of creating that complex portrait. And Jessica Chastain obviously delivers it. My problem, though, is I I feel like we are concentrating on this one unique thing that she did that was very progressive. And because of that, and because of her support for this community that it gives her a pass on the stuff that um, she did against, you know, all of these other people. And I I really have a problem with that. Like I almost want to say this movie is garbage for point for painting Tammy Faye in any positive light. But I know that I I know that's wrong. (laughs) No, I know. I think that's, I think, I mean the, the film, the movie does do a kind of a, an okay job of, kind of punching at her a little bit, not as much as Jim. I think Jim looks way worse in this movie. But. I, and the, so I was going to ask you that. Do you think, because here's the thing, you have these scenes that are showing her as like a leader and independent woman. So you've already talked about this early age, defying her mother, father, going to church, um, her getting a seat at the table with all the other men at the pool party, her interviewing a victim of AIDS when all the other televangelists are condemning the crisis. Right. And they're saying, well, God, is punishing the LGBT community with AIDS. And she's like, nope, you got to accept everybody, right? Mm-hmm. They've got this other set of scenes where she's saying, hey, Jim, is anything wrong? Are we doing anything wrong? So it's painting this picture a little bit of, she might not know exactly the hurt that she's causing. Um, then you've got these scenes where her husband is making fun of her makeup and then watching him roll around with another man playing Tickle Fight. Um, then you've got Jim telling her, that she's got to go on television to apologize for infidelity when she really didn't do much except, you know, sit on a guy's lap, her addicted, her addiction to prescription drugs, and then lines that her mother delivers, which is when you follow blindly, you become blind yourself. Mm -hmm. So you've got these, these grouping of scenes that are basically saying, here's her strong independence um, as a woman of the eighties coupled with look at all these times that she's a victim And I look at those and I'm thinking, I think, I think you're trying to give her a pass. Yeah. Even the relationship with her mother, they try to explain like, see, she, you know, she was the oldest, but she was the, the product of divorce. So she was always sort of, you know, this and that, and she couldn't go to church because of that. Like they do such a heavy lift to make her that sympathetic character. Yes. But it's, it's kind of shallow when you think about there's no Jim Baker without Tammy. 
No, I agree. And, but, but even where the film ends, it ends in this whole, hey, she's oh, living her in an apartment. Return. Yeah, well, she's living Not in an apartment. Return. People are making yeah. fun of her. She goes up and makes friends. And then she has this, um, <laughs> I, she gets invited to sing and then has, you kind of get a glimpse of what's going on in her head where mm-hmm. she has this whole choir behind her, but that's not what really is going on. And so I, I don't know, like I said, that's what's at conflict with me is when I think I know what happened in real life just by following the news and you see all of the damage that she's done through her decades of ministry but then you look at all of these, you look at a movie like this, I, I almost want to kind of go, hey, I don't, I haven't seen your documentary. I'm looking at a movie of a documentary, which obviously is going to take some liberty. I think the documentary is way more pro Tammy Faye. Yeah. And I, I got a problem with that, man. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that inhibits my ability to really champion this film because I can, think- I can look at it and say it's amazing performances. I think it's really well put together. I think it tells a very interesting story, but if this had just been not Tammy Faye and Jim Baker, call it televangelist one televangelist wife. If it had been called that, I'd be like, wow, this is a really interesting film. But in my head, I'm like, dude, I know what, what these people did. And I don't care if they supported the, I mean, they did more damage than good by a tenfold. Oh, easily. Do you think that's because she's no longer living and it, it would feel a little bit mean spirited? I think it's different if you make fun of a film of someone who can Jim Baker can defend himself, right? Tammy Faye doesn't have that luxury because she's no longer with us. I don't care. Like I look at I, it this I know way. you don't care, but do the filmmakers take that into consideration when they're making it and saying she's like it's it's like when you it's like when you attack like a dead person. It's it's it just feels wrong because they can't defend themselves. Look, this is going to sound so cruel. Tammy Faye should be burning in hell. I don't I, like, yes. she deserves to be there. <laughs> I Look. agree. Yes. And, and to me, it's, she has, she has hit that level um, where I look at that and go, it, I'm not sitting here and saying you should make a film and just drag somebody's name through the public, et cetera. I just think there might be a problem like if, if you were to tell me what is the biggest problem with today's society, I would say, I think one of the factors is how we tell stories or how we t- talk about history. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that ends up happening, and I've, and I've always felt this, like your story could either be happy or sad, depending on where you end the story, right? So, and you collectively make that choice, even documentaries at some point have a little bit of subject subjectivity because the director is going to decide where to start and where to end. And they try to be objective as possible, but sometimes the editing choice, the cuts you make, and even where you decide to end the story that makes it up. Right? So yeah. this movie decides to end the story in such a way that she's kind of on a comeback and she's picked herself up off, you know, uh, this whole scandal, et cetera. But it negates the fact that she married another guy who, was accused of fraud and negates the fact that she was still making money and she was chasing down fame through books and singing and television appearances, everything else. She, she was not pious at all. Oh yeah. She was a fame whore. Like she was a fame whore. So where you end that story, you know, paints this person in a particular light. And I think the problem that we have as a culture, I don't you know, talking about America or whatever, just culture in general 
is we come along with these characters and go, well, look what this character did at this point in time. And they're really good. And it's like, yes, if you take that out of context, somebody who isn't very well read, who doesn't like history is going to look at Tammy Faye and go, well, Tammy Faye is one of the greatest heroes we have um, for the LGBT community. And I would say, if you look at it from that light and tell the story from just that, and you tell the story from her perspective as a victim, you could totally get that, but you're missing 85% of the story then. Well, yes. Two things could be correct at the same time. Yes. <laughs> and and to me, it's one of those where you can, if you take this character out of the context of history, that is dangerous. Oh, uh, 100% agree with that. Tammy Faye and more so Jim Baker. Like, yeah, I don't think and don't get me wrong. A- Jim Baker is way worse. I mean, he's out there trying to sell crap to people and say, take this and you're cured of COVID. Cure COVID. Yes. And, and yes. they, you know, he got in trouble with this. Well, he's always been again. a grifter. He would die a yeah. grifter. And I think she was too. Yes. Yes. It, just because you don't want to know what's going on. Doesn't mean you don't know what's going on. No, I agree. And, and don't get me wrong. Like somebody could come back and say, well, look at this aspect. And she had, like, all you know stuff. how I'm misappropriating all the, not a bomb funds. You know about it. You just don't really ask, but you know, what's going yeah, on. I don't care. I mean, <laughs> um, all seven dollars. <laughs> all seven dollars of it. Uh, no, I mean, but but that that's that's my conundrum with this film is I love everything about the film. I love everything that went into it from a film perspective. But in my head, I'm like, look, here's a person that people talk about her just loving blindly, and look at all this love that she had, etc. And and maybe I'm just too cynical in my older age. But I take a step back for that and go, if you think that's really her, then you're you've got some, I don't know, you got a problem with your optics because you've got to look at that person's life as a whole. And I don't, I don't think there is any forgiveness. I mean, I don't, I don't think they were sorry for anything they did, they did because they were still chasing after that fame and glory till the end. Like that, that was their core. They wanted to be in front of people. They wanted to be on TV. They wanted to be loved by people. I don't know, and, and they stumbled across a couple of elements within their history that looked really good, but on the whole, I don't think it was. And again, this is my personal opinion. I don't I don't say anything coming out of my mouth is fact. It's just my experience with these the real world story. And my real world experience with this story gets in the way of me appreciating this film, I think. Isn't that the inherent weakness of biopics though? It is always something that you see, say with um, Bohemian Rhapsody, like there's the whole scene. And I've heard people talk about this ad nauseum that the whole, when they're writing Bohemian Rhapsody and how it comes together, they're like, no one writes music. Like that's not, that's really not how you do it. But me who's never written a thing of music ever. I see that scene and I'm like, Oh, it's, it's fine. Like whatever. I I didn't think anything of it. Um, But when you know, more of the history about Tammy Faye and know who she is in the real world, seeing her depicted this way on screen. Like, no, that's, that's not, no, we can't, you shouldn't be doing this because that's wrong because that's not who she is. If you added another, what this movie ends in what? 94. Yeah. I think so. Like, you know, like you said, at the end of her life, she basically does this all over again. 
and knowing that you're like, there's no way she's a sympathetic character. Cause if she was really sorry, she would have never have gotten in that place again. Now, not to the degree that she did, but here she is again, getting in bed with a fraudster literally. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, th- th- I think that's a valid point. I just, I think, um, when I think about some of these biopics, uh, like the Johnny cash film, walk the line. Oh, if, if you know anything about Johnny cash, I mean, talk about a troubled life and everything that he went through in the drug addiction. I think that does a, uh, that movie, every, every one of these biopics, it takes Liberty. Even, even if you and I were to sit down and go, well, let's write the bio, the biography of Brad and Troy, we are not going to be a hundred percent honest. It's too painful. And at some, in some way, I think our survival instinct is going to kick in and go, Oh crap, our kids and our kids, kids are going to read this. We, we got to put some explanation here and we probably have to show ourselves in some kind of light that we don't look like total idiots. I mean, that that's, I think a survival instinct that kicks in anytime you're going to write a biography. Don't know, haven't written one. Sure. Yeah. And, and I would have to say that I doubt there's any um, biopic out there. That's like hundred percent accurate. I mean, we can agree on that, right? I mean, it's hard to say, like, I, I, we I'm don't assuming know. there's not, there, I'm assuming there's not. Cause yeah. yeah Cause if I'm telling my own story, like you're, you're right. Like I'm, I'm going to leave out certain points and I'm going to exaggerate some other things to make me look as good as I could. Or even if you're going to point out your flaws, you're going to do it in some way that you go, there's some, I'm going to sugarcoat it quite a bit. Yes. Or, yes. or, or provide go, wow, this is super evil uh, thing that I did, but look it, it you know, look yeah. at the context of when these things happen. Right. Yeah. But I think biopics come down to, uh, what is, what is the voice? What are they trying to say? What are they highlighting? Like, I, I think you can learn from some of these things like redemption uh, or love or, or whatever it is, or overcoming great odds, et cetera. But the really good biopics make it feel organic. And you may look at that and go, well, I, I was around when that person was doing their thing and I don't remember it all that way, but they've concentrated on, on this aspect of their life and the way that they present it. You're like, okay, I don't, I don't think that's totally accurate, but I do think I got a feel for what that person kind of like that person's voice as a person. Mm-hmm. And the problem with this film is if the voice that is being presented for Tammy Faye, if they're saying, look at this complex woman, she is a victim in these instances. Look at the good that she did do. Yep. She scammed some people out of a lot of money, but look at all these, look at the context of how that scamming occurred. I can't buy into that voice because the real world events that occurred seem way more organic and authentic because how the news told it and, and how it was displayed and even watching interviews with her. Oh my God, it's painful because it all looks like an act. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when I see these intimate moments in this, I'm like, man, I don't buy it for a minute. Yeah. Even in the, well, but then like, even in the film, they're like, they did all this stuff. They did all this stuff. They're making all this money. Uh, they donated like, you know, 56,000 to some missionary, blah, blah, blah. But they bought those big houses. Like they gloss over like the very little that they did good with the money. Um, I don't so, think they did any good with the money. 
they did like they donated a little bit to some missionary or something like that, but that was it. But, I, I think that's what they got in trouble is because they didn't do any of that. Because if, yeah. if you, I think I sent you a link over yeah. over the one well, hour expose where they're like, hey, uh, we made all these promises to Korea, we made all these promises to the other country, not a dime went out the door, and no. in fact, they were selling these Korean trinkets to fund all of this stuff that was just going back into their pocket. I mean, it, it's stuff like that. That's just crazy to me. And then the fact that the government was just like, yeah, well we're getting votes out of them. So, man, I mean, we could spend a whole thing. We could spend a whole like hour of just like how, how kooky is it that the, the church is, I don't know if kooky is the word that I would use. Okay. How, but, how fucked up it is that yeah. the church goes, look, there's a separation of church and state. So stay out of our backyard. But then when politics come around, the church is like, look, we need to have a say in all of that and tell you what yeah. to do. And it's like, you got to defeat the liberal agenda. Yeah. It's the <laughs> goddamn church has been trying to fight the liberal agenda for 40 years. Uh, Maybe it's time that they should do and whatever. Yeah, anyways. I, I, anyways, but from a film perspective, that's my issue is like, I agree with everything you're saying about the film and I appreciate the film on that level, but man, it's really, it, I don't want to say it's hard for me to enjoy it, Maybe maybe the right word is it's hard for me to really appreciate the artistry that's on display because I think there's some real artistry here, especially in those performances. Mm -hmm. And my own personal opinion can get in the way of that appreciation. You you can't not bring your baggage to a movie. Oh, I, I get that. Sometimes you can check it out the door though and just kind of it's go. hard, but it's hard, man. Even subconsciously, you're like, there's something off about this. I'm trying to to not bring that in, but yeah, it, it, but you're uh, you brought up a good point. Like tonally, it's a weird movie. It's it all over the place. Like it's a soap cupcakes, opera. It is a soap yeah. opera. Oh well, yeah, very much. Up. Like that cupcake scene has no reason to be in this movie. But it's like literally, they're just like, yeah, this is come. This is come on this cupcake. But you remember it. Like, like th there's those sequences where you're like, what like, is going on here? But it's so memorable. Like the penis pump thing. Like that really happened. She really yeah. like turned that show into like some sort of like weird, like the segment of her show or whatever like, it is. Yeah. yeah. Penis pumps. And she's like, well, you know, it, it affects people, but like that was real. So I know they wanted to show like how weird it got, but how progressive she was too yeah, but, for that time period. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, uh, I thought I had a goddamn stroke. I was like, are they doing <laughs> penis pumps on this thing? Like all of a sudden it's like, I've got hand jobs, penis pumps. Oh boy. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, I'm trying to think there, there was a biopic I remember watching not too long ago going, okay, a lot of this is wrong, but I really appreciate it because it's trying to, to send this message or say this thing about this person where I, I think they got everything wrong about the historical accuracy of it, but they did organically from a storytelling perspective, kind of bring to the forefront what this person was trying to do and maybe accomplished, but maybe not in the way that, that they, uh, you, you say what you will about Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, it's incredibly inaccurate on all elements of it. Yes. But that performance and that family that they try to portray of that band, that is on full display there. And I think they, they get those elements right. So it's a fun musical or I, feels right or feels right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fun musical biopic with, which is probably like 90% inaccurate, but tonally the messaging and, and maybe the dynamic of that group, I think they do get right, even though they're not telling the historical aspects of it. Yeah. The, I guess, yeah, I guess if it feels right, it 
is more right. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I, I, there, there you go. That's it. Like this doesn't feel right, which makes me uncomfortable liking it. But, but others are just like, wow, they're even way more inaccurate because they, they do some scenes here that are shot for shot. If you go back and look at the original footage, they nail it. Like, it's, Oh, when they're on camera and stuff. Oh man, some, it's yeah. crazy. But what I find crazy is as accurate as there are some elements here, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. I, I almost wish this was turned up a little bit more like it's there, but I almost wish it leaned a little bit more into the soap opera-ness of the whole feel. Cause it's there, but it's like, it just needs to be, to be like a almost to the point where it's like a B movie. Like so do you think if it did that, it, it would just really lose everybody? It I mean, could. Yeah. But I think it would be much more memorable. It's a memorable movie, but I, that's a I good think point. To like, I mean, yeah. to get its cult classicness, I think it kind of needs to turn up that the camp a little bit higher. Like it's just not campy enough for me. I mean, I know that sounds crazy because the stuff we've talked about, it's like pretty campy. I, I think you're right, though. The first 20 minutes come out swinging and I don't. There are a couple of scenes that match that campy craziness, but um, I, I I can see where you're going with that. I, I agree with that. Like it's it's missing some stuff in the back end that was just as, um, I don't know, out there in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't know if I like the second half as much as the first half them like becoming Jim and Tammy is much more, I don't want to say fun, but much more entertaining than kind of watching their empire kind of fall. Um, I did want to bring up another thing. There is a guy in this movie who is simply just a plot device. Do you know what I'm talking about? So the car is stolen. Oh yeah. (laughs) And they're outside and a guy literally walks up. He's like, Oh, I know Pat Robertson. I know you guys. You guys want to come on the show? And then they literally just show up on Pat Robertson's show. I'm like, this guy literally is just in the movie to get from one scene to the next. He's a plot device, just keeping this movie going along. I'm like, good job. So there are some things like that where it's just like you, you didn't know how to get them from point A to point B. So this guy literally just meets them outside and takes them to the next scene. Um, no, I agree. I And to me, I, I find that forgiving because I don't know if that's how they actually found Pat Robertson. Yeah, I don't really care. It it gets it from point A to point B. I'm cool with that, you know? No, I mean, it does get, I mean, to this film's credit, I mean, it's an hour and what, or two hours and 10 minutes or two hours, yeah. Yeah, it it moves at a pretty good clip. Yeah, it does. Especially the first 20 minutes, but no, it doesn't really drag. Um, and, And I think it's all driven by, those performances. I don't know if we can understate just how good they are. Like yeah. when I see Jessica Chastain and I know that she won the Academy award for this, I'm like, Oh, that, that it, it definitely makes sense. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know if I know the other people, other actors in that category, but um, the fact that she won, you should not be disappointed because it's, it's a pretty breathtaking um, performance. And it's almost like, you see Tammy Faye and you see her and it's, it's difficult to, she is unrecognizable. Yeah. And all you see is Tammy Faye in some scenes here. Yeah. And the, the, even like the accents are a little bit grating, but yeah. I mean, that's how she was. And 
Um, there's a scene where Jim and Tammy are basically having kind of their last fight before mm-hmm. it kind of all goes bad. And it's very soap opera-y, but they're both going for it, and they're both so good. And it's one of those scenes where you're like, okay, this is this is the the clip they sent to the Oscars because it's it's pretty stellar. Um, no, I agree, hundred yeah, percent. I, I I had a lot of fun watching this movie, though. Like, I know I know where you're coming from. Tonally, it's a mess, and they get a lot of things wrong. But they do kind of go at Tammy a bit, and they definitely go after Jim, which I like a lot because Jim Baker is a piece of shit. Um, Tammy Faye was just as big, but uh, you know, I think since she's the titular character, do you go after her as much? Probably not. Um, but I get I get your criticism of that because it's it's hard to sympathize for with these people when they're stealing money hand over fist from grandma and grandpa. Yeah, I, and again, I'm I'm not trying to take away any of the good that she did do. I guess my point is at at what point? It's like saying Hitler painted some good pictures, man. It's like uh, let's, let's I, uh, dude. I hate to I hate to say it, but I, I I think you're right. Like take take whatever the most horrible thing you can think of in terms of a of a historical figure and go. Yeah, but they did this really good thing. You're always going to remember him for for that that bad thing that they did. And I just feel that way with, with these two people and Tammy is right up there with Jim Baker. In my opinion, it's like, just think of, just think of someone were to say, I don't know, make a biopic about Bill Cosby. And they said, we're going to stop in the year 2000 and not mention anything after the year 2000, he would come across as like, you know, so I'm going to go. So it's a great example. And I'm going to go on a limb here and say, this movie comes very close to doing just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were, when you were talking about that, that's kind of what uh, came to mind is you can tell stories of people and leave off chunks of their lives and it's, they're completely different people. Yeah. And and again, I don't think anybody will ever know the true Tammy Faye except Tammy Faye. Um, but was there a true Tammy Faye? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's funny when you read stuff about it and, and they say, Oh, well the, the kids kind of, less this aspect of it and, and people that knew her were impressed with this, like telling of it. I know the documentary uh, even had a follow-up documentary that a lot of people love. And again, it puts her, I think on a pedestal and, you know, I hate saying this, but I, I think it, for me, it's true. Your analogy of, okay, tell the Bill Cosby story up until the point of maybe 10 years before the trial. And you've got a, interesting story about an entertainer, a minority entertainer kind of owning television, owning the comedy circuit and going, wow, that's kind of inspirational. Uh, and, and that becomes a different story. I think what they did here is something not as heinous, but pretty darn close to kind of go, she's a leader. She's progressive. Um, for that time period, look, she's a victim in these scenarios, dude, she ruined crushed, so many lives stole so much money all the way up to the very end, in my opinion, and try to do it again and try. And, and if you take a step back and look at all of the damage that she did for the decades and decades that she was pushing her version of church and religion, I, it, it 100% outweighs anything that she did for like 30 minutes 
um, interviewing a pastor with AIDS. It just my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not for that one individual. Right. But, yeah. No, no, no. I, and, and again, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's, it's weird. I was, I was kind of hoping, and again, this is, this is a problem. Sometimes when you watch a film, you go, I'm always fascinated by the distinction between church and religion and faith. Uh, I, I think those are three different things. And I was kind of hoping somebody would come in and tell the story that here's the church and here's the things that went wrong. Here's the religion. And here is how it can be used for good or bad. And then here's this person's individual faith. And it's very complex. I really would have loved a film that addressed all of those three things. And I think Tammy Faye might be a character that you could do that with. Um, but again, it, it's not here. It's not organic. And even then I'm, I'm wondering if I would still have, let's say they hit all of those things. Would I still have a problem with my experience with those real life characters and go, yeah, they're still pieces of crap. And I, I just can't get behind yeah. I, I can't be get behind what you're, what you're trying to peddle here about Tammy Faye. I, I, no, I, I don't think she deserves, um, any, no, kind she of- doesn't re- deserve a redemption arc. Um, so you still don't know if you like them. I mean, put the performances aside. I'll say it this way. I, well, you were entertained the whole time, right? I like the film. I like everything about it from a film perspective. Like as somebody who really appreciates film, I really think it's a good film from its technical merits, from its performances, everything else. I got a problem with the subject. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, and Hey, I mean, some people have a hard time watching Schindler's list cause it, they have a hard time with the subject. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I get it And and to me, they were always cartoon characters. Yes. She looked like a goddamn cartoon. So uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't put a whole lot of stock into that, but I, I can get, we're a little bit age difference. So it was way more real for you than it was for me. I don't know who my televangelist would have been. I guess, do you consider like Joel Orstein? Is he a televangelist or is yeah. he just like a mega church guy? I, I think it could have been the timing because, you know, <laughs> I, man, I, I find myself sharing all this personal crap. Um, <laughs> so in high school, Cause you and I both grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that um, pissed my parents. So, off, so, Hey, just yeah. talk, we have no place to talk about how high and mighty our church is. Oh, it is. No, no, Catholic no, no. Church yeah. has. no, don't worry. Don't worry. But, but in high school, it got to the point. Cause I went, I went to Catholic school up until high school. And then I'm like, dude, I'm done with this. Yeah. But uh, I, I started going to other churches, um, checking out like, other denominations, Baptist, Lutheran, oh, okay. everything, right? So you did that exercise. It made my parents so angry. And I, I, because it just dawned on me, wow, all my friends are of these other denominations. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I spent uh, like junior high trying out all these different churches, having my friends take me to theirs and going, oh, well, that's interesting. Well, that, you know, Catholicism's on this far um, side of the spectrum with its ceremonies. And what I found is after spending almost, it was a good year just going to all these different churches, the one I liked the most and I felt the most comfortable with was um, Quaker. 
And so I went to a Quaker church from my freshman year through senior year and went to all of the, the, the Sunday school stuff, the, the, um, you know, they would, they would have for teenagers and stuff like that, those programs on like a Monday night, Wednesday night, et cetera, did all of that stuff. And that was on the opposite spectrum of Catholicism, but it spoke to me a little bit more. And so I've always been fascinated with that aspect of, of church and religion. And so these kind of movies and this kind of content always, uh, get me fascinated. But when the scandal broke and me following it, and then me kind of questioning churches and going, well, I, I really like Quakerism because of its down to earth perspective on things versus Catholicism. I think this scandal hit me at the right time where I'm questioning how religion's used, how church is used. And so being in, watching it all unfold in real time and then going to college and then even questioning that a little bit more, um, in, in, you know, when you study linguistics, because I went in for a writing degree, the 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 book that you study, because it's had so many different translations, is the Bible. And then you start to find out, oh, well, the word hell, it, it actually didn't exist in the very first versions. There were seven different words for it. And so when you start learning that history, you start kind of going, oh, wow, um, the church is really interesting in terms of a historical entity and what it did with its literature and its books mm -hmm. and how it manipulated certain things. Um, and even stuff like, you know, I always joke about Scientology. Scientology has the disadvantage of having these stories, but everybody being around and going, well, that shit didn't happen. Yeah. Nobody was around to kind of go, oh yeah, this dude walked on water, died, came back from the grave. I, I mean, you're, you're not gonna question that, right? Well, it's because it's been how many years since those events? So I'm, I'm always fascinated with that, but that's where I, my baggage to this film might be a little bit more than yours is because I'm going through this whole questioning of, Hey, what kind of church do I want to be? Cause I don't want to do Catholic anymore. Cause I grew up that way, but my parents made me do that. And as soon as I'm going through this, well, this stuff hits and you're like, Oh yeah, that's why you got to be really careful about the church you hook up with because you don't want to be involved in this kind of crap. Yeah. I, I mean, my falling out had to do with all the priesthood stuff with, you know, kids and the cover up and all that. Yeah. So I, I have compartmentalized the church as the Catholic church to my faith, which are two different things. Yes. Because if you start to think about the church, it's a terrible entity that has done a lot of terrible things regardless of all the good that it's done too, you know, it, it depends so, on the church. I mean, it, it depends. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, yes, I, yes. I, I did realize that you, uh, a church is just an institution composed yep. of people. Just if you people, have bad yes, people, people, you're going to have purpose. a bad church. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and nowadays you see all these clips of these guys at church and they're like, basically like politicizing everything and yeah, campaigning for people. And you're like, this is this is not what you're supposed to do, and you're not supposed to do that because you're tax exempt. But you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, um, it's, anyway. it's nuts, man. Yeah, and it's it's hard for me to get back into it because I talk to my kids about it all the time. It's like you know, you, I never forced church onto them, but I'm I'm also telling them like you you really need to explore this. Like I read the Bible twice now. Um, you 
Humble brag. Well, no, but I mean, it's <laughs> no, you, you grew up in a Catholic church, and no, it's I like know. at one point. Well, that was you, the reason it was fun being Catholic because you, know, you really didn't have to read the Bible. Yeah, but you, you read it once for like your faith, I guess. And then yeah. once I got into college, and it was like, oh, you want to study linguistics and language history stuff like that? Well, guess what? You're reading this thing again. <laughs> so yeah. um, it it was one from an academic perspective and one from a, a, a what a faith perspective. So it, it's. It's unique to me, so I'm always, I'm always attracted to content like you know the eyes of Tammy Faye, but I I think my um, own personal I don't know <laughs> interaction with the with the real life events and what in the timing of it of what I was questioning I look at this film and I go my God it's it's such a well made film and the performances man you're you're not going to see stuff this good but holy cow I don't like what they're trying to do with Tammy Faye. That was just a piece of shit. Yeah. All these people were pieces of shit. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, what other notes do you have? I know, I know you were texting like a, f- just uh, like you're on fire all week. About yeah. This I mean, I don't want to oversell it, but the first 20 to 25 minutes of this movie is pretty ridiculous. I think if you're curious on the performances on the content, I think it's a definite check out for sure. Um, because, the, I, again, Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain are simply amazing in this film, and it doesn't work without them. D'Onofrio comes in. His performance is a little bit strange, but I don't know Jerry Falwell that well. I know his cuck of a son, but... Um, I'll say Vincent does a really good job if you watch the interviews, because I saw mm-hmm. interviews with him talking about this. He nails it pitch perfect. I mean, demeanor and everything else. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... If you're curious and and you can put aside sort of their sympathizing with or for Tammy Faye, it's definitely worth a checkout for me. I, I I definitely think people need to see this movie. It's it's weird that Chessing won Academy Award for not that long ago, and you ask people about this movie, and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I that I agree with you hundred percent. Um so for the question, is the eyes of Tammy Faye from 2021, is it not a bomb? You're like, absolutely not. Okay. I was surprised at how, how much I like this movie. Well, I, I'm glad we talked. I, I would, I would agree with you. I think the eyes of Tammy Faye is definitely from a film perspective, uh, is definitely not a bomb and, and you have to see it for just Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, uh, I, I would say everybody in front of the camera, to be quite honest. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we even talked about Cherry Jones. She's fantastic in this. I, I love all of the performances in it. I think from a technical standpoint behind the scenes, it does a great job of taking the soap opera qualities and making them cinematic. And, and it has some transgressive elements to it that are just in your face. Uh, and, and if you can get beyond, if, if you have any of the hangups that I have, with the content or the people that it's talking about, I still think you can appreciate it. It'll make it harder, but I think you can still appreciate this as a film and as a story. I think it has some problems with its voice mm-hmm. and, and in what it's tone. trying to say in its tone. But I even think some of the problems with the tone uh, by definition might not be a problem. It just adds to the wackiness of it. So I, I don't know. It's definitely not a bomb. I I'm so glad you picked this thing. I'm so glad we watched it. Uh, and I would definitely say like, 
there is no doubt in my mind Jessica Chastain is probably going to win another Oscar, and Andrew Garfield is definitely going to win something. He has to. Yeah, I I just kind of wish, and this might be an impossible ask, that it rode the trajectory of that first half an hour. Yeah, like if it if it would have kept going, I think the cheesiness and the campiness would have taken this thing to a whole other level. Um, but it's still worth checking out for sure. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Uh, you want to, you want to talk about a little bit of listener feedback we got? Sure. I would love to. Okay. Well, Michael wrote in, um, and he said, I thoroughly enjoyed your coverage of Hugo, perhaps one of Martin Scorsese's more underseen films. It's a great pity that this wasn't a financial success, but has perhaps found its audience over time. I've seen the majority of his films and there has been times where they haven't been entirely successful, such as gangs of New York but they are always interesting and his ambition and scope is something to be respected. Agree a hundred percent. So I would like to submit my three favorite Scorsese films. So this is Michael's three favorite Scorsese films. I'm not going to include taxi driver as that's a given. Okay. I've chosen in no particular order. Here's his three, the last temptation of Christ, the aviator and bringing out the dead. Keep up the excellent work. Michael. We did not bring up bringing out the dead. We need to talk about that one because uh, yeah. that one bombed, didn't it? It did. Paul Schrader wrote that movie. Okay, um, so that needs to be a 2023 film. Yeah, Nicolas Cage. I yes. Think Patricia Arquette's in that as well. Yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. Ah, not fun movie. <laughs> it's an interesting it's, movie yeah. to talk about. Uh, and if you consider everybody that is in front of the camera behind the camera that would be a great episode yes yes and i would love to talk another scorsese film so yes yeah sadly like our hard schedule is pretty far out but we'll add that i, I definitely no, we're doing we're doing of, it we got him we got to kind of forgot that about that one when we were talking about his films yeah, yeah. and it, it wasn't until michael wrote it in i'm like oh my gosh we glossed over that one and I asked you if it bombed. You said, yeah. I'm like, okay, it's going on the list. And we are definitely talking about that one. So thank you, you know, Michael. That's I probably one. haven't seen that since like the DVD days. Yeah, I haven't watched so. it since DVD. And I know my dad really loved it. Um, it was one of his favorites too of Scorsese. So I'm, I'm really interested in uh, revisiting that one. Maybe, Did you have that on Laserdisc? I'm sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've got the DVD copy. Uh, maybe by just us mentioning it, that means a 4K is around the corner. We have that, we have that, uh, that power for yeah, sure. We do. So if anybody else wants to write in Brad, how do they do that? Yeah, that's not a bomb pod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You could also go to www.notabombpodcast.com and click on the little contact us button and you can leave a comment or question or recommendation there. Yes. And folks, we're coming up to, I mean, if you think about it, we've only got like a month and a half left of 2022. So we, we always like to take time and kind of look at what we're doing from a podcast perspective and see if there's anything that we want to change. I mean, at some point this year, we said, hey, let's do a little intermission, have some fun with these old radio commercials and, uh, you know, give a little bit of break between talking about the making of the film to sharing our thoughts but I'd, I'd like to throw it out there to everybody else. Like what of the podcast do you like that we need to keep doing? What of the podcast do you think is unnecessary that maybe we need to, you know, trim 
and uh, give us your thoughts and feedback on what the format should be going into next year. I mean, I think we've been doing the same thing now for what 127 episodes, which is, you know, kick things off. Sometimes we have a little bit of a topic about the film or a genre. We go into how did it perform? What did the critics think? Uh, we got our favorite Christian website now <laughs> that we we go and uh, look up. We talk about the people in front of the camera, behind the camera, and then we get into thoughts in the film. If you think that format should change, if you have any other ideas, let us know. Um, if you don't like the commercials, let <laughs> us know. But yeah. hey, we'd, we'd, we'd like to hear your opinion on what we need to take away or add going into next year and um, see if we can you know, come up with something a little bit different. Yeah, I'm not willing to die on any any hill no. for parts of this podcast. So yeah, not at all. And, and and again, we've always said we're we're not trying to build an audience. We're trying to build a community. So any help that you can give to the format or to the show, greatly appreciated because we love all your feedback. And thank you, Michael, for writing in. Thank you, everybody, for writing in, giving us great suggestions. Um, Brad, who else should they listen to? Yeah, so we have friends of the podcast include Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Watch Skip Plus, which I was on their last episode. We did um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Troy, spoiler alert, that's my film of the year. Yeah, I was going to say, you really gushed over that one. I, I love that movie quite a bit. Uh, the VHS Files, Not a Living Podcast, the Backlook Cinema Podcast, and the Mixtape Podcast. So go check all those people out. And when you do... Let them know that we sent you so they know that our recommendation gets people to listen to their show. Yes. Troy. Yes. Next week. Oh, it's my pick. It is. I, so look, I grew up (laughs) in Wichita, Kansas. And if we're talking about prestige films that bombed, but won multiple Oscars, you know, I'm going to pick this film. Mm, I'm trying to think of a joke. I don't know. We already did Blind Fury. That takes place in Kansas. Kansas there. <laughs> no, it is um, it is the Kansas film. Like when you're born, you get a copy yeah. of it of whatever format it is for that year. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in Kansas anymore. So, Brad, what are we talking about next week? We are talking about the Wizard of Oz from 1939. Yes, 1939. Um, yeah, huge bomb because it was very expensive to make. Yes, we'll talk about what came out. That same year, which uh, when you take a step back and look at it from a film history perspective, was it 1939? Man, mm-hmm. uh, some people will say that is one of the greatest years in film history. There are some bangers, so I'm sure you'll get into that. Yeah. But I got to so, tell you, I mean, th- this is a movie that I grew up on, obviously growing up in Kansas, but we watched it every year. And uh, spoiler alert. If you can get your hands and you have a setup for 4K, 4K you have to grab the 4K. I'm sure it's going to be on sale with all the Black Friday stuff. Um, I think that's how I picked mine up last year for like 10 bucks. You, if if you have a 4K player, you need to grab that thing and show off your TV. Yep, yep. And don't bring, don't come to me. People are going to say, well, it's it's not a bomb because it's made all this money. Not on an initial initial release. It did not. It, that's all it's been re-released hundreds of times since then. So it's made way more money at the box office, but it's initial release. It was a bomb. Uh, so. I, I think not to take any thunder away after we do a little bit of research, what you will find out is theatrically didn't do so hot. It wasn't until television that it became mm-hmm. popular. So 
very interesting behind the scenes on that stuff. And I don't think, I mean, my God, there's so many, I mean, I, I have, I don't know how many editions of this thing. And it feels like every time they release it, there's a new documentary on the making of it all. And we're not going to get into that. We're not, I mean, we would be there for hours talking about the production development, the history of it. Um, even movies inspired by it, like under the rainbow, which Chevy Chase. I mean, really, we're going to just probably share a little bit about what went into making the film and just get into our thoughts on it. Cause I think it's a, uh, it's a very interesting film to talk about in 2022. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yes. Uh, um, our history with it. I've, I mean, Wizard of Oz could be people's first film they ever see. That's, that's true. Um, I know at one point it was the most watched film in all of history. So I don't know if that's still true. We'll find out. We'll do a little research. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about talking about that one. Uh, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to talk Wizard of Oz and we might have a guest. We're still working that out. I've, I've enjoyed us having a couple of weeks, just you and I, especially on these films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I having someone come on this one would have been a little bit awkward with all my hand job jokes, but you know, Hey, hey, hey that's, that's how we roll, man. <laughs> uh, so listen, go, go watch wizard of Oz. Um, come back here next week. And as always, I don't know if you're, you're listening in the morning, the afternoon or evening. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for listening to us. Go leave us a review wherever you download your podcast. We greatly appreciate you sharing the love. Be back here next week. Follow the yellow brick road and hear our thoughts on the wizard of Oz. Don't lose your head. Thank you.